so great to be with the family this morning. You know, um, for a number of years, my wife Lori and I, actually, to be exact, 18 years, we've been around this house for 30, believe it or not. I know, I know a few of you, and uh, that means we're getting older. But anyway, we'll put that aside for a while. But we drove back and forth, actually, an hour away, uh, one-way drive for an hour. And we did that for a very specific purpose because when we came here, we found something that we dearly loved. And that was a pursuit of the Holy Spirit with reckless abandon that kind of united us and kind of brought us one with a group of people that we actually didn't know, that we weren't connected with. But we found a one heartbeat with that group of people because we were all pursuing the same thing. And then we were after the Holy Spirit. And it was something we couldn't quite let go of. It's something that we could continue to pursue. And it actually took us down a path where eventually... We uh, had a church that started in Sullivan. So part of what's connecting us even today is the reality of we are still pursuing the same things. And we are at a church in Sullivan, which is highly connected to this church here in Urbana. And if you haven't looked lately, the demographics between uh, Sullivan, Illinois and Urbana are very different. And we are not very connected in ideologies in some ways. Um, we have different ideas and all of those things. But the reality is we're actually pursuing the same thing. And that we want to see the Holy Spirit come, we want to see communities changed and ignited, and we want to see the power of God be real in our everyday lives. And so what unites us is actually stronger than our differences that we see in our communities. And so we pursue that, and you know, that's what attracted us here, and it's actually what continues to attract us here. I serve here on the exec team, and we are connected with Mike and Julie all the time. We're back and forth a lot and have lots of conversations, and what keeps us connected is that we're pursuing the same thing. And we believe that unity is greater than the things that want to divide us and pull us apart. Well, I haven't been up here for a number of years on a Sunday, mostly because we're in Sullivan, and so we're, we're there. And so I haven't been up here for a number of years. I don't know a lot of you. I actually realized this morning as I'm here, I know less of you than I thought I knew. So there's a whole bunch of you that are relatively new over the last few years. And so I thought it'd be helpful to start with a picture of our family uh, just so you know a little bit about us, my wife Lori and I have six children, uh, a son-in-law, two daughters-in-law, four grandsons, and a fifth grandson who is on the way and expected in November. And as an old basketball coach, numbers of five like that kind of thrill me, especially, you know, five kids, five boys, and we get to start all over again. So that's kind of exciting and, and fun. And some of you know us well enough and some of you don't, but my wife Lori is a tremendous cook and an excellent baker, even had a commercial bakery for a while in our home and is very good at what she does. And there are a few things that smell better to me than fresh baked bread when I come home. Like I, oh, that smells so good. And so I'll follow my nose. And just a couple weeks ago, I did this. Follow my nose over to the bakery and there on the counter laid a perfect loaf of bread that looked amazing and smelled amazing. And I knew it would taste amazing because I've tasted it more than once. And so I asked her, I said, can I have a piece of bread? She said, sure. I've asked, I, the reason I ask, incidentally, somebody asked me this last service. The reason I ask is because there's been a few times I've eaten things I shouldn't eat. And she's like, that was for someone else. And then, you know, she's obviously short at the end of that. But she cut the bread and she paused for a moment because in the middle of the bread was a hole. And she said, do you think there might be something missing here. Like, what do you think might be missing? And she said, I had gotten busy and gotten all sidetracked and forgot that there was a problem. And so she cuts it, she shows it to me. She shows me this hole. It's about the size of a silver dollar or so with a hole in the middle. There's a picture of it. And it was like all the way through. 
And I thought, well, it might be yeast that's missing because, you know, I don't know a lot about baking bread, but I know that yeast is a pretty important part of this. And she's like, no, it's not that. So I didn't really have a good idea other than that. And then she tells me that in her busyness, as she forgot to put in the sugar, the problem with the hole in the bread was actually a sugar problem. Now, we know that uh, if you know much about baking, you know that yeast is active and yeast is alive and it, it creates the activity in the bread. But what I figured out when I Googled this a little bit further was actually what feeds the yeast and actually makes it do its complete job is actually the sugar. Now, I thought sugar was just for taste, but when I tasted it, you couldn't even taste the difference. But really, the, the real part of this problem was there was no fuel for the active ingredient to be, um, you know, doing its job. This morning, I want to talk about fresh unity. And I believe that as we look at kind of the scriptures and we see different things, we realize that the Holy Spirit's an active, he's active. He's on the move all the time. He's always doing things. He empowers us. He lives different, does different things in our lives. But I believe that sometimes we can be a little short on this whole thing of unity. And I believe it can actually, sometimes the Holy Spirit, although he's doing his thing, it would be helpful if the church would find unity. And I'm talking primarily this morning to people who are believers when I say the church. And I know that, you know, may put some of you, if you're not a believer, I, I hope by the end of today you are. But if you're in the church, you know that there's a lots of opportunity to not be in unity and to live kind of a, your own life and going a different direction. But I believe that unity empowers us and actually creates things in the move of the Holy Spirit that are unique and helpful. And much like that yeast needed the sugar to do its job. I believe sometimes the Holy Spirit actually needs the church to be united for us to see all of the things that he really wants to do in us. I want to look at that this morning, and it's actually a principle that's in the scripture. But before we jump into that completely, would you pray with me, and then we'll look at some scripture. Father, we are so grateful for your presence this morning. You are an amazing God. You give us so many things. We have so much to be thankful for and so much to be grateful for. But this morning, for the next few moments, Lord, would you help our hearts to be open and our minds to be open to this idea that you actually desire for your people to live in unity? Lord, would you help us to see the reality of what unity means and that it means sometimes giving up some of my rightness uh, to live that way? So, Father, we're so grateful for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let me assure you before we jump into Scripture that when I say talk about unity, I'm not saying you don't have an idea or that you don't have a thought or that you don't have differences. I, I, that's actually the body of Christ. We all look different. We have different thoughts. We have different ideas. Obviously, being in leadership and, you know, if there's 3,000 people, there's 3,000 ideas most of the time. That's good. I believe that God helped us, wants us to be that way, wants us to share our things. But I believe a greater call that he has in our lives is for us to give up some of our rightness so that we can live in unity with one another as a bunch of believers. I want to look at Ephesians chapter 4 this morning. And you can turn in your device to that or flip on it or whatever you want to do. Or it's going to be on the screens as well. And you can read along. But Ephesians chapter 4, uh, verse 1. I want to start there. I'll read the first four verses. Paul was writing this and he said, As a prisoner of the Lord, I plead with you to walk holy in a way that is suitable to your high rank, given to you in your divine calling with tender humility and quiet patience, always demonstrate gentleness and generous, gener generous love <clears throat> excuse me, toward one another, especially toward those who may try your patience. Did you hear that? Especially towards those who may try your patience. 
Be faithful to guard the sweet, with sweet, the sweet harmony, and some translations actually use the word unity here, of the Holy Spirit among you in the bonds of peace, being one body and one spirit as you were all called into the same glorious hope of divine destiny. Now, I don't know if you find it sometimes challenging to get along with others or not, but I would suspect that you might. Now, it's kind of like this. You know, I'm pretty easy to get along with, but you all, on the other hand, are a little challenging. Right? Maybe you've walked that out. Maybe you've lived that. I don't know. But I know that in reality, most of the time when there's challenging relationships, it's sometimes easier to pull away from them than to press into them, right? To not talk about unity, not stay connected and united. And over the last number of months, you may or may not have had an opportunity to have a challenging discussion with someone who does not agree with you. I suspect you've had more than one, actually. I mean, it's kind of like this. It's even some things such as lighthearted as a vacation. A few weeks ago, we actually went on vacation with our family, and you saw the size of our family, and we got in a van, and we drove to our kids who live in Omaha, and we were going to go on vacation. So we drove 500 miles together uh, and got out there just to discover that what we were about to do was go to a lake and uh, spend a few days together there. The lake had been closed due to blue algae bloom. That might have created a little tension in a family of our size because, you know, we had little people and big people and everybody has an idea of what you should be doing, right? But when you're at the lake, it's pretty easy. But when you're not, it gets pretty difficult. And so everyone had an idea. There's six children and Lori and I and some other, you know, in-laws. And so there's, there's lots of ideas floating around. And so there was talk. There was a little bit of tension, not actually a lot. But what we found and what I saw that was so interesting to me was the unity that we had is like was more important to us than us being right. So my older kids, who didn't really want to go to the zoo, were willing to put aside that for the reality that they had some little people that wanted to go to the zoo. And some of the little people, believe it or not, kind of were okay with doing things that were a little bit more grown up because that's what we do. That's what we do as family. We connect with one another. We keep our unity by giving up some of the things that we think are so, so very important. And we move towards each other as opposed to away from each other. You know, it's easier in family when we're connected. It gets a little more difficult, though, for me personally, and Demi, this is you too, when we find that we are gifted differently than someone else. You know, you guys all know Mike and Julie here better than you know me. And we, have, we share some commonality. We have, we have things that are similar that are easy for us to connect on. And then there's some things that we're very different in. And those are a little more, sometimes a little more challenging. In Sullivan, I work closely with a gal named Jamie Crozier. And Jamie is a highly gifted administrative person who loves spreadsheets, loves calendars. I, on the other hand, not so much love those things. I don't find any life in creating a spreadsheet. Neither do I find much life in putting things on a calendar. Now, I like to keep a calendar after it's there, and I like to look at spreadsheets after they're done, but to create them and do them is not my thing. But what's easy for me to do is to let me, when that happens in me, is it kind of bugs me sometimes, right? I'm like, oh, Jamie's creating another spreadsheet. Oh, you know, and I, I start not appreciating what God's doing in her and her giftings and the things that God's made her to be. And I'm sure that she can do the same with me because we get in some intense discussions sometimes. But we find unity when we begin to work together and give up some of the things that I believe and we work together and we find there's power in that. 
There's power as we come together, especially within the church, though, as a body of believers, right? This becomes really a big challenge for us. And so because it's such a big challenge, we have to look at Paul, what Paul says on further than that when he says, we are supposed to guard our unity. We're supposed to take some time to, you know, protect it. And when I think of that, I think of our dog who is a black lab and she loves to eat. She was 80 pounds for a while. She's lost a little weight. She's a little healthier now, like some of the rest of us. Sometimes we got to lose a little weight. But anyway, what, what happens in her is when she protects her food is, you know, her teeth are bearing. She's got her paw on the food bowl and she is not going to let anybody come near it because it's hers. It's valuable to her. Now we have a couple of barn cats who are really, um, would like to have some of it. And when that happens, there's going to be a fight. Like it's going to be a fight like none other because she's going to protect it and they're going to get to it. You know, much like that, I'm not calling cats the devil when I say this. I better qualify this. But anyway, the cats are sneaking around trying to steal our food, right? Like they're always, and much like that, we have a real enemy that's trying to steal our unity. We have a real enemy that wants to take the things that God has given to us to give us actually power in our lives, and he wants to steal it. Now, it is not people, okay? And yeah, I probably better not say that. But anyway, there, it's not people, okay? It's just not people. We have, the devil is our real enemy, not people. And when we, when we get misfocused, we start making people our enemy, it causes division, okay? It doesn't cause unity to happen around us. And so we want to protect it. We want to keep it safe. We want to defend it. And you know, as we do that, there is something that happens that in Psalms, David calls, uh, in Psalm 133, verse 1, David writes and he says, How truly and wonderful and delightful it is to see brothers and sisters living together in sweet unity. It is delightful. I believe it brings the Lord great pleasure to see his people live in unity. While he is the power, the Holy Spirit is the power and the active ingredient that's around us, when believers live in unity, we are a force to be reckoned with because with the Holy Spirit and unity among the believers, the Bible talks about some pretty powerful things that happened in our history. You know, as we as believers work together, as we come together and as we have discussions and we work on unity, it doesn't mean, like I said, that we don't ever have another comment or conversation or that we don't have an idea. We do. We always will. But that's okay. But what unity means is we work it out and we realize we're going the same direction. We've got our eyes set in the same place. We're looking at the same things. There's an old song that I'm going to call to your memory. Some of you might remember, some of you maybe not. And I'm not going to sing it, but I'm going to read it to you. That talks about the stuff of earth growing strangely dim. Do you guys remember this song, right? And the song is this. It says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. You see, there's been a whole lot of people, me included, who it's so easy to get distracted. But when I turn my eyes towards Jesus, all the other stuff kind of goes away. Right? It, like I said, it doesn't mean you don't have an idea or an opinion. That's okay. But our eyes are set on him, not on that stuff. I had a conversation recently with somebody who's a good friend who just talked about how it's been so easy for them over this past season to turn their eyes away from Jesus and to turn their eyes on everything but Jesus. And they see what happens in reality? I really forgot about everybody else and everything else and it became about me. 
instead of about Jesus. When our eyes are turned to the right place, it makes a difference. You know, unity is not a natural thing that happens necessarily all the time. We need the Holy Spirit to empower us, but we also need to make some choices to not always have to be right and to give up some of our things around us. And in the New Testament, there's a powerful example of what happened when there was unity. I don't know if you guys know who Peter was in the New Testament, but just to give you a brief overview, if you don't, Peter was not the most unifying guy. He actually was kind of a, I don't know, he was kind of a lightning rod in so many different places if you read his story. But the Lord taught him a lot of things, and he, the day of Pentecost, gets up and preaches. And the Bible says they were gathered together in unity in Acts chapter 2. They were, they were gathered together in unity. In Acts chapter 2, verse 2, I want to read it because I think it's helpful for us to realize. Because they were gathered in a place of unity, they were connected with one another. It says, suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm and filled the, whole, filled the house that they were sitting in. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them, utter, gave them ability. Sorry, I'm crossing my things together there. But gave them ability. So what happened was what we as believers probably would be excited about. I would say if, I would say if you're a believer in this room this morning and that were to happen here, you would be excited. You'd be like, yes, that's what we've been praying for and hoping for and excited about was that fire comes, right? Fire falls on us, that we literally are able to change things because that experience changed the world for thousands of years. We today are still experiencing part of what happened in the New Testament church. We're still experiencing some of that because of what happened. Because they were in unity, the Holy Spirit fell and he empowered them and literally turned the world upside down and changed the world. Jesus literally changed the world because of people gathering together. On that day, the Bible tells us that 3,000 people were saved. 3,000. Now, this auditorium holds like 1,000 people. So this auditorium filled three times. That many new believers added to the church one day. You guys, I mean, that's kind of exciting, right? Like that'd be pretty exciting stuff to happen. But... Imagine this, as a pastor, I can't help but think about this. 3,000 new opinions, 3,000 new ideas, 3,000 new ways to do church that you never thought of before, right? Um, but the reality is, that's not what happened. They lived in unity is what the scripture tells us because if we read on down and we look a little further, we see that not only were people added to their numbers on that day, but down, in, I'm gonna jump down to verse 42 rather than read the whole thing. Um, it was continuing to happen even after that. And verse 42, it says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Sounds like the vineyard, right? And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Excuse me. Everything. I'm going to have to put my glasses on. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Trying not to do this this morning, but it's going to happen. They, everything they had, they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together in the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. 
it continued to happen. And if you look at the scripture and study it just a little bit, it actually says that this was a favor they found with people, not just in the church, people outside of the church, people in the community saw the unity of the people who were there gathered and what the Holy Spirit was doing. And they're like, we want some of that. And because of that happening, what happened was they literally added to their numbers continually. It continued to happen even after that point. You know, signs and wonders, people being saved, people being added to the church is an exciting thing. We are, we are excited about that. We want to see that happen. We want to see more of what God's doing. And there is a power that is unifying us together in the person of the Holy Spirit. And that is the active ingredient that continues to work in us. But as we come together, what happens is a bunch of people filled with the Holy Spirit come together, have more power than a few people gathered. And maybe you have seen this, maybe you haven't. But, you know, I have, I have seen, over, seen over the years, there's, there's places where you see Holy Spirit move and you're like, man, that's a powerful move of God. And then you see the same thing happen over here and you're like, I don't see, like, why? Like, the whole, it's the same Holy Spirit, right? I would say this to you. When you see things that are the Holy Spirit moving, it's exciting and it's amazing, but he invites us to partner with him, right? He invites unity. He invites us to come alongside him. He invites us as the church to join together in unity with what he's already doing because that makes an unstoppable force that is tough to reckon with and hard to come by. You know, I don't want you thinking that the Holy Spirit's not an active part of this because he is an active part of this. He is actually empowering us. And sometimes it can become this thing where we're just trying to do this on our own. And unity and trying to be achieved on your own is not very effective. We need the Holy Spirit to empower us to live this way, right? We need him to come and help us work through giving up our rights and our rightness. And, you know, fresh unity mixed with the power of the Holy Spirit is an incredible force. We saw it in the New Testament church. And I say, Lord, could you have, make that happen again today? I believe he is inviting us all, all of us, into a new place. Into a place where we are not only saying, yes, Holy Spirit ministry, we love what God's doing, but where we're saying, my being right is not as important as us being together on the same page, going the same direction. Keeping our eyes on Jesus rather than all the stuff of earth that is around us. And so we have a challenge on our hands, and we believe that God is doing some incredible things, and our invitation to partner with him is that we would give up some of our rights for the greater cause, to see him come even more fully today than he has been in the past. So we want to do all that. We want to be that. And we're inviting him this morning to come and do a work in us even now. So... I want to pray over you, and I want to pray, end with praying a scripture over you as well, because I think it's a powerful thing out of Romans 15, verses 5 through 6. I will end with that, but that's a powerful scripture I think is helpful. So would you pray with me? Let's pray together. Father, we are so grateful for your presence this morning and what you're doing in the middle of everything that's going on. You love us, Lord. You care for us. You help us in so many ways, and so many times we forget the reality of what you're doing and the work that you've called us to as well. And so we are so thankful for your presence and the person of the Holy Spirit. And as we begin to worship, Father, we want to worship you because you're worthy of everything. And I want to read Romans over you um, even now. 
May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.